You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Brea Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about what to do when an author you love says something awful. I've gotten a lot of emails about this. And recommending woman-centric memoirs. But first, what are you reading, Brea? I read my first book of poetry. I am so excited to read this. So, you know, I on my New Year's resolutions, I wanted to read three books of poetry Look who's ahead of the game. January, already <laughs> done with one. Um, and it's been nice because thank you, everyone, for your recommendations. You can keep them coming. I'm excited about all these books of poetry. I may read more than three. And just like um, my New Year's resolution, I am stealing all the ones that you like. <laughs> I already thank gave you. this one to you. Thank um, you. It was called You Can't Kill Me Twice, So Please Treat Me Right by Charlene Yee. Um, Charlene Yee is an actor, a comedian. Uh, she's a musician. She's one of those people who does many, many things, which uh, I think, and I'm a fan of hers. Um, and I saw she was talking about this book of poetry. I would say it's something between, I say if I was going to say what it is, it's a dark, more fucked up Shel Silverstein. Into it. So she does little drawings throughout and little like, and her, her art is like really simplistic and uh, interesting and sort of like, makes the book. I so so I read it over the course. I was reading it in the mornings like um over the course of a few days and I found that every day I was taking photos of like these little little poems. They were like um, some of them are a line, some of them are two lines. They're very short most of them, but I would read it and then I would take a photo and send to a friend immediately because I felt like all of them sort of like related to things my friends talk about or things my friends think about. I posted a bunch of them on my Insta stories. I hope she doesn't mind. Uh, and people were like, I've got to go buy this book. And I was like, go buy it. It's wonderful. Um, because I don't read that much poetry, this was a really accessible kind of poetry to me because... It's a good book to start if you like, yeah, don't know if you like poetry or there's not. There's one line on a page. It's like, you're not... You're not that's <laughs> Incredible. Not I'm just imagining somebody reading a poetry collection for the first time and going, this is great. It's, there's only one line. Like, and I totally understand There's barely it. any words in this book. Yeah. And so it felt very accessible, but also very like of the moment, like a lot of political stuff, but then also a lot of personal stuff. I absolutely adored it. Um, and if you're looking for like a very cool poet poetry book, this is cool definitely poetry. in that uh, in that world. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? So I am reading. I think this was recommended by a listener. I'm pretty sure someone emailed us and told us about it. And I was really excited because I every once in a while there's a horror book that somehow manages to fly past my radar and this one was it came out last year it's called break the bodies haunt the bones by micah dean hicks and yeah someone listener wrote and was like have you read this um so i got it from the library and it is a horror novel about it has like strong eraser head vibes oh. which you i know you know yeah, me. So that's your very excited house. actually one of the one of the um Main characters is named Henry, which is the main character in Eraserhead, which is a David Lynch movie, my favorite director. Um, but it's about this town. You actually might like this. It's this like old industrial town that's like dying. But part of the reason why it's dying is because the whole town is super haunted. It's like there's oh, fucking cool. this ghost. I love that. But it's not haunted in the way that you think. It's haunted in the way that like ghosts are more like cockroaches. They're just fucking everywhere and like. You know, there's a scene in the beginning where the main character, who's this girl, and she is haunted herself. She has this little girl ghost who is like, has t- you know, you know, lives in her body and, you know, oh. talks like her to her. body is haunted. Yeah, okay, I see what yeah. you're saying. Uh-huh. Um, and she's like driving home or driving to her job and she keeps trying to find, she's like using CD, CDs in the CD player in her car, but she's like, oh, the CD's full of ghosts. Can't use that. <laughs> like, you know, this ghost. That's not like a book I'd like. There's too many ghosts like 
you know, that surrounds your car, then you, your car is going to stop working and you have to wait till the next day where hopefully the ghosts have dissipated and there's just fucking ghosts everywhere. And there's like certain parts of town that are so overrun with ghosts that like, oh, well, I can't drive down that street Ugh, anymore. Sounds so good. It's really cool. Um, I'm not that far into it, but her, her brother, Henry is over, is haunted by the ghost of an engineer. So every once in a while, uh, the ghost will take over his brain for like two weeks and he'll wake up and he'll like have invented some weird robot. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, fucking Christ. And like, so it's really, really interesting. It's a cool take on ghosts. Uh, so that's Break the Body, Haunt the Bones by Micah Dean Hicks. And mine's called You Can't Kill Me Twice. So, uh, and then in parentheses, it's So Please Don't Treat, So Please Treat Me Right by Charlene Yee. Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, Eric wrote in, since listening to Reading Glasses, I am now absolutely hooked on essay collections. Mm. I now always have one or two in my currently reading, along with the other usual categories. I'm currently reading The Book of Delights by Ross Gay and recently finished They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us by Hanif Durkib, which I have a quick story about him right after I read this. Okay. Um, Nobody Cares by Auntie Donahue, past guest of the show, uh, and The Collected Schizophrenia by Esme Weijin Wong. Uh, I've truly just fallen for this format and I'm now looking up every best of and anticipated list I can find. Nice. Also, with all the wheelhouse talk, I find I am always applying wheelhouses to other categories of life. (laughs) So instead of giving my reading wheelhouse, I thought I'd share my estate sale hunting wheelhouse. What a dream this person is. Uh, (laughs) My includes mid-century modern furniture, bar cart decor, vintage skitty ties, antique books with covers, and location-based pennants and records. Wow. I love the idea of just like, I mean, it, it's true. You can have wheelhouses for it. You can have a food wheelhouse. Yeah, that's cocktail true. Cocktail wheelhouse. I dog have wheelhouse. All these things. I have all of these things. That's uh, very funny. So, quick story about Hanif Adurakib. Uh, right before the holidays, but right before we left to visit my boyfriend's family, we went, uh, one of Jeremy, one of my boyfriend's really good friends, his band had a show and they haven't played in a really, really long time. So it's like a big, exciting thing. Like we went to go see the show, this concert. And, um, after the show, we were like hanging out in like the VIP section and fucking Hanifa Durakeep was there. Oh, wow. And I was like, so starstruck. I t- totally did not go up to him and say anything. Cause he was like with his girlfriend or whatever. And I oh, was wow. like walking I around. I wouldn't know what he even looks like. Uh, I mean, I follow him on Twitter. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Um, Haley wrote in and said, um, Haley wrote that. Um, I just wanted to email because I actually thought that the idea of a typo book sounded pretty cool. A while ago, we were talking about on an episode, uh, someone wrote in about typos and we were talking about if there was a whole book made up out of typos. Just a book of typos? Wow. I don't remember talking about that. It was, it was a joke, but I think Haley is into it. Haley is into it. There would be a lot of pictures, maybe more of a short story type thing. Not sure how much, uh, how much interesting content you'd have. I don't know. Thought it was cool. You guys are hilarious. (laughs) Thanks, Haley. Oh yeah. Scott wrote in about our middle grades books episode, uh, two votes in favor of middle grade books, audiobooks, especially for driving. I used to have a longish commute and kept my sanity with audiobooks. I started with adult fiction, but found the plots a little tough to follow while also paying attention to the road. Enter middle grade books. Oh, interesting. Uh, also tired reading. I traded my long drive for a long train ride and I find I really can't concentrate at 6am on the train. But a book aimed at the preteen crowd works really well for that, too. That hot book tip. Good job, Scott. Hot book tip. Uh, So quick bookmark for me. Um, I know I talked about it a couple weeks ago, but um, a movie that I'm in called After Midnight comes out on uh, comes out this week, comes out February 14th. Valentine's Day, the perfect Valentine's Day movie. I actually a monster movie. I really it is a it is a mon. We're calling it a mon, a rom mon, a mon romantic monster movie. Yeah. 
That is like Rahman. my shit. Uh, Rahman. I, am, um, I still haven't seen this movie. This is one of my most anticipated movies of the year, Brian. It's, it's, well, it's playing at theater in theaters in some cities, but it's on VOD everywhere starting the 14th. Um, just add it to your watch list on Amazon. That helps us, but also buying it obviously helps us. Um, me and I think Henry Zabrowski and... Uh, past think, guest of the show. Past guest of the show. And I think... Um, maybe one of the producers or uh, Justin Benson, maybe the actor, I can't remember. We're all going to be at the Arena Theater in Los Angeles um, tomorrow, I think, because this comes out on the 13th. So we'll all be at the Arena what Theater. What time? Uh, it is a later movie, and we'll be there at the uh, we'll be there at the end to do a Q and A. Uh, go check it out, or if you're not in, it's in a couple other major cities. But if you're not there, it is it is a really good if you and your loved one enjoys, or you alone enjoys a good monster you, movie. Might be a great place to meet someone who likes monster movies. I agree. Movies. Um, then this is uh, a good movie to watch this weekend. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about what to do when an author you love says something terrible, we're going to take a quick break. Hey everyone, Alden Ford here with the cast of Mission to Zix. Our fourth season premieres on February 19th, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, we decided to ask one of our characters to give you a quick recap of what's happened so far. Say hello to the clone trooper, AJ. Who are you people? What's happening? Okay, AJ, put your gun down. Uh, AJ, can you just tell us what's happened in the Zix Quadrant in the last couple seasons? Oh, well, we destroyed the Emperor. Oh, really? Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. We knocked him into a chasm. Mr. Robot Man and Barchi's ship crashed through a window, and Dar and Baby Horsehead and I took out, like, a bunch of bad guys. Papa filled his destiny, and the lizard was there, too. Okay, great. I guess I was sort of asking what the show is like. Oh, you mean, like, it's an improvised, serialized workplace space opera featuring brilliant sound design, incredible guest stars, and an epic, hilarious tale of fresh versus whack? Oh, yeah, wow. Where did you come up with that? Jesse Thorne told me to write that on my palm. Okay, all right. Well, Mission to Zix Season 4 debuts on February 19th on Maximum Fun. Check it out. This week, we're discussing what to do when a living author you love says something awful and breaks your heart. Yeah, because we've done episodes in the past about... Lovecraft and people like that where, yeah. you know, that they're, you they're have, dead. They're dead and it's it's a little bit different. We did a whole episode. You can go back in our archive about book politics and like what sort of what to do. And we had a brought author Jessica, Jessica Crispin on to talk about that a little bit. But this is a little little bit different, um, especially in this age of social media. So we got a lot of emails about this when J.K. Rowling recently came on Twitter agreeing with this woman who said something very shitty about trans people. Basically, we, we, we won't get into it in case that is something that is upsetting to you. It, it, it is upsetting to us if you... Probably has been able to guess on reading glasses, trans rights are human rights. We are very, very supportive of uh, the trans community. And it's really shitty when you say something, especially when you're a person like J.K. Rowling, who has that massive platform, saying something awful like that has a lot of weight and makes a lot of people upset, especially with someone who has created, crafted a fictional universe that means a lot to a lot of people. And, you know, in this age of social media, this ends up happening more frequently than it used to because everybody can instantly send whatever floats through their fucking mind to millions of people on the internet. Uh, but what do you, as a reader, what do you do when this happens to you? Yeah, so we, we want to say first, first I'm going to say breathe. Yeah. Take a breath because I feel like the problem with the age of social media is that we see something and we immediately fire back and we're like, I also hate this or I also love this. Like we're very quick to make 
decisions. And just in the same way, we don't want to be J.K. Rowling and and post something that, you know, maybe we don't totally understand. Um, So I think the first thing you do is you breathe. And um, then you uh, you confirm that what you that what was said actually was said. Yes, like and especially now, I mean, fake news. Make fun of it, whatever it is you want to. It's a real thing. Do you have this thing? Oh my god! Yesterday on Instagram, I follow an account, and and Instagram had blocked it and said, or not blocked it. There was a like a. He looked all out of focus, and it said, "This is not a real photo. This photo has been photoshopped." Wow! And it was like. Uh, it was like a meme thing that I follow for some weird, horrible reason. And because uh, I had one funny meme anyway, but it was like a photo that had been photoshopped and to make a joke about this particular person. Wow. And um, but Instagram blocked it. That's incredible. You I know, could click on it to see what it was, which I did because I was like, well, I got to see what this is now. I unfollowed the thing. But I will say it's really great Instagram when they send like if someone you don't know sends you a picture, it blurs it out so people can't yeah, send thank you. you Instagram. I know it's so lovely. It's so great. Also, well, I will say because a lot of people try to send me Creature from the Black Lagoon stuff. Mm. Don't if you want to reach me, folks, please don't DM me. I don't check my DM yeah, request because of stuff like this. It makes it so and they just changed it too. So it's really difficult to like mm-hmm. go in there. Please use the contact form on my website. I really appreciate you sending me great things. But Instagram blurs it out. So I'm like, is this person sending me a dick pic? I don't know. I'm not going to chance it. So no. I'm not even going to look at it. No, no, no. Of course not. But in this age where you can write anything and news outlets write anything, um, it is, you need to make sure this was actually said. Make sure before you have like a heart attack and your heart breaks and all these heart related problems. Yeah. Try uh, to find the root of the problem. Find, find it if this is a person you truly care about. Yes. And, you know, things can be taken out of context. Um, and, and anyway, like, if you want to form an opinion on this, you want to be informed anyways. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. You want to be a person who can say exactly what was said when you're having a conversation with people because then you can, you you know your position, you can defend it or, you know, defend the person or whatever you feel like you need to do. Yeah, so then you can, you know, be be more informed and, and actually really assess what, because when we started this episode, Sean, our audio and engineer, had, had, hadn't heard about this. And I was like, oh, well, J.K. Rowling said something shitty about trans people. And you corrected me. And you're like, no, that's not true. She agreed with someone who, like, who said something shitty about trans people. And, and it's important to just to know what's going on. Right. We're not saying it's not shitty. We're just saying. No. You're like, no, what happened? J.K. Rowling's being a fucking trash baby. Yeah, yeah. It's but not it's a, a good thing to say. But it's not a good thing to agree with. to know what exactly is going on. Then, So you can formulate your own opinion. Is it is it something that's ignorant and badly worded, or is it just like straight up fucking racist, transphobic, fatphobic? Is it something you could forgive them for if they educated themselves and apologized and stopped being a garbage person? Is it something that you're just like, nope, this is super shitty? Like, just try to you know be informed and be able to form your own opinion about it. Right. Um, so next up, I mean. We're going to encourage people not to jump on the social media pile. It's very easy to do. It's very easy to throw things out there. But it's not good for anybody involved. It's it's not. It, it It's going to hype you up. It's going to hype everyone up. Uh, everyone up. It's going to make they them not want to get on social media and apologize. It's going to make them defensive. Um, like, and what would be it's better is if they could get educated. Time. Right. And, but the way that... They're not going to get educated by you calling them a trash baby. In front of a lot of people. Yes. Because I think that that is embarrassing. I'm not trying to defend these people and saying like, it's okay to be racist. I'm saying if you see someone you do truly care about and you think they have the possibility of changing, piling on on social media is not necessarily the first step, I think. Yeah. Well, and also it's not anyone's jobs to educate trash babies. Right. Save save yourself uh, some 
rage and yeah. like go drink some lemonade or something. Save that for when you're mad at like an airline and you're like, hey, American yeah. Airlines. Sorry to call it American Airlines. But like, uh, you know, I this horrible thing happened. Save it for that because American Airlines actually is reading their things and they're going to try to correct it for you on that way. These people have gotten off of the internet and they're not paying attention to you anymore. Yes. Um, so, and if this person never apologizes and they can, t- can continue being a trash baby, what do you do? So a good thing to do is to stop giving them your money. Uh, okay. There's a lot of other authors in the sea. Uh, if you're upset about what JK Rowling said, maybe show some love to some trans authors. Yeah. Maybe instead of getting on Twitter to say that JK Rowling's a, a trash baby, you can go try to check out five awesome tr- books written by trans people from the library or review one of them positively on Goodreads or recommend a bunch of them. I know, I think it was Charlie Jane Anders who hopped on Twitter to, to talk about some great trans creators that yeah, are awesome right now now um you know turn your turn your rage into something good yeah positivity and um I was just listening to this podcast that was all about like happiness and how to create happiness in your world. And the number one thing is like being grateful for the like be grateful that there are a lot of great trans writers right now. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We didn't have that. We didn't have that 15 years ago. Nope. We could not point to five. We could have, but it would have been much harder to point to five really great trans writers who are writing in the specific genre you want to read. Um, and now we are so fortunate to have these people who are able to live their lives out um, and be able to create awesome art that we all get to see and see yep. different types of people represented. So, like, what a fortunate time we're living in. You know, uh, fuck what other people say. You can go and support these people with your money, which is a, a great way to support them or or just vocally. Oh, yeah. Well, instead of, um, you know, it's it, instead of maybe buying a copy of uh, – uh, of Harry Potter for your n- little niece or nephew, buy them a copy of the book of the middle grade book, George, which is a great, mm-hmm. awesome trans story. Just be like, okay, JK Rowling, you don't uh, think that trans people are real. Okay, fine. Fuck you. I'll just, I'll show you, show you how real they are by spending a bunch of money on their awesome books. Right. So what if you already own their books? Yeah. This is sort of a choose your own adventure here. And this is what people like to ask us a lot. Yeah. It's, it's really up to you to decide what to do. So there's no wrong answer here. Um, Instead of, I guess the wrong answer would be buy more of them. <laughs> uh, again, Disagree like, with them and buy more of them. That would be confusing. Again, uh, best thing to do is not give them your money. But if you already have given them your money, um, you, you might be able to separate and still love reading their books. Um, you might, or you can donate them. Uh, it's your call. It's You're not a bad person if you still love the world that they created. It's what you do moving forward that really, really counts. If you're sitting there going, oh my God, I am a terrible person because I still love Harry Potter. I have a fucking massive Harry Potter tattoo. Mm-hmm. That book meant, those books meant a lot to me when I was growing up. And it sucks that this person who created this, one of the most beloved series in the entire world has this garbage, garbage opinion. And I hope that she changes and I hope that she learns and apologizes. Um, but it, we're not bad people if you still love those books. You know, you bring as much to the book, as almost as much to the book as the author does. So a lot of that was the work that you did in imagining what Hogwarts looked like and all the things that you, your own brain put into them. And you're not a bad person if you still love that experience. And also, I mean, just particularly Harry Potter culture, I feel like is a very broad, wide culture. Yes. And the fandom alone has kind of like overtaken mm-hmm. in some ways the books themselves, yes. if you ask me. Well, J.K. Rowling has a history of of not only just like saying stupid things, but as we were talking about before we recorded the show, just like adding stupid things to the Harry Potter universe, just oh, right. like 
leave it alone. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I, I, I've told, I haven't told this story in detail, but I, I don't, and I don't like talking badly about authors. Um, but I will, I will sort of tell the story on the internet, uh, or on, on, on reading glasses. Uh, few years ago I was in London at a book party and I met an author that I, and I didn't even want to meet the guy. This is, it was a male author. Uh, but my boyfriend at the time forced me to because he was like, oh, it's a famous author. We got to go talk to him. I really hated that. But this guy wrote a trilogy that really I love, 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 love. Uh, and there's a big character that dies in the first book. And I went up to him and I never gush. I never do this anymore. I, if, if, I, if I see, like if I met Hanifa Durakib at that show, I would have been like, hey, cool. Like I would have <laughs> been like, oh my God, I love your writing. I just don't do that anymore. Because, partly because of this incident. And I was like, hey, I love these books because I love this particular thing. I love this character. And he straight up was like, oh yeah, I only really wrote those books because I know that genre sells really well and I wasn't oh. doing great. Uh, I'm not really into this whole community, but you know, I, my publisher thought it would be a good idea. And I, man, I really shouldn't have killed that character. He was the best one. And I was just like, you could hear my heart breaking. <laughs> I was crushed. Because here's this person, this author at a party for this particular genre, shitting all over it even though he's a best-selling author for these books. And they're the wow. most, by and large, the most successful thing he's ever written. And I was just crushed. But I was able to go home. I kept those books. And I was like, listen, pal, fuck you. I love these these stories. I brought a lot of myself into these stories. They still mean a lot to me. And I read them multiple times since. And I can I can separate. All right, so Bria, what do you do in these situations? Um. Well, so this the, here's here's a little anecdote that has has nothing to do with, um, I get the word anecdote and antidote confused. <laughs> anecdote, <laughs> not an antidote. Um, uh, I was listening to a podcast I told you about that I really enjoy called the Dolly, Par- Dolly Parton's America. I listen to that whole fucking thing. Okay. So you, you got me so hooked on that. Oh my God. It's great. Oh, I'm, it's, I'm a Dolly. Have you finished it? Yeah. Yeah. I just finished Ugh. it yesterday. And there was this whole episode. One of the last episodes is about this thing that they have in Dolly world. Dolly, do- or, yeah. Dolly land. Dolly. It's her theme park. Yeah, this th- her, this thing they have in her theme park, which is a uh, north versus south. What I can tell is like that night thing. It's kind of like medieval times, medieval times. But, but for the Civil War. Right. So. Which is so fucked up. It's incredibly <laughs> fucked up. You get there, you're like north or south. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that are really inappropriate about it. And people are like, ah. Because they, they leave slavery completely out of it. They leave slavery out of it. Um, and they're like, this is kind of strange and a little uncomfortable and like, uh, you know, not cool. And it, and uh, they interviewed Dolly Parton about it. And Dolly Parton said two things that were really interesting to me. One, she apologized and she was like, I would never want to make anyone comfortable. You know, she was like, I was uneducated about this and I didn't realize this was going to be such a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize it. She was like, I was yeah. uneducated and she was like, I was ignorant. But then someone told me and she was like, and the last thing is I don't even want one person to be uncomfortable. Yes. Right. Um, they've changed it since to the North and South Pole, which is very which is funny. Absolutely fucking hilarious yeah. to me. Um, um, the second thing she said was she was like, in the same breath, she was like, and I'm a businesswoman. And why would I do something that would hurt my business? And I was like... First of all, if you haven't listened to this podcast series, it's amazing. It's called Dolly Parton's America. You learn so much about Dolly Parton, but also you just learn about like being a woman in business who doesn't quite fit into the mold. It's very fascinating. Um, And about her like really diverse group of fans, which includes like a lot of uh, drag queens, but also church ladies and like just this like whole, whatever. Anyway, but it, it made me realize I was like, right, like 
there's a lot of people, like, I don't think these situations are black and white. Like, you're not necessarily a horrible person who deserves to rot in hell and live on the streets because you did one tweet that was a horrible tweet. Yes. And you can learn from things. And obviously, the when someone said something, and maybe it wasn't even the first person who said something. Yeah. Maybe it was the third person who said something to Dolly or whatever. She mm-hmm. goes, ooh, you're right. And also, I'm not a dumbass. And, like, so maybe, yeah. so my whole theory is, Hit people where it hurts, which is their pocketbooks yes. and vote with your dollars. Yes. A hundred fucking percent. Right. Because I will say, like, I'm glad social media didn't exist when I was 20 years old and had a lot of things to fire off because we would read too much about my ex-boyfriends. And, like, it would just be, there's just, like, I would have made a lot of mistakes. And I'm glad I can't read those mistakes now. Um, I'm, sh- I'm There's still things that I look and I'm like, why did I write that? You know, like, I that I regret writing. I obviously... <laughs> Um, would like if people point them out that I, things that I was like, I didn't mean to, whatever. Anyway, um, so I just think that also people make mistakes and celebrities have these larger platforms or yes. um, writers have these larger platforms. So their mistakes are going to be much more public than the ones that like my next door neighbor makes when, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's not educated about something. Yes. Um, so that's what I'm going to say is that I do try to give people leeway to be like, are they apologizing? Did they realize their mistake? Because then people do sometimes and you're like, okay. And then yeah. they're able to sort of learn from that experience. And then I'm just careful with where my money goes. I'm not a person yes. who, who buys a lot of books. Mm-hmm. I get them mostly from the library. But I request books from the library and I am not going to request books from people who I get the library yeah. to spend money on people that I don't think are doing don't agree with on things and are purposely trying to humiliate or um, not give certain people rights. Yes, I will. I'll never spend money on another J.K. Rowling book unless, like, if she, I, I, I'm trying to give her leeway if she comes back on the war, onto the internet and says, "Hey, I really fucked up with that." Like, I fully support trans rights, and she's a millionaire, or. I, I think she used to be a billionaire and is not anymore because she oh, donated what? a bunch of money. Spent all the money. Oh, okay. She donated, she, <laughs> no, she donated a shitload of money. If she was like, hey, I started up a charity for trans authors or trans people or in some way, like I want to make amends. I'll be like, fuck yeah, J.K. Rowling. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. But until she does that, I will not spend another cent on one of her books. I think that's totally fair. But I think what you're saying about like your tattoo and stuff is really important because I, I do think – the, just because you have a you're conflicted about this artist um, doesn't mean that you have to completely you know, disregard all of their art. Yeah, it's not it's not an either or situation. And like this this situation comes up a lot, and I get asked this question a lot when I do interviews about Lady from the Black Lagoon because mm. a lot of people are like, oh, well, can you separate art from the artist? Like this, like in in, in the case of Woody Allen. Mm. And a lot of these situations, they're not black and white. Right. You know, they're not, uh, there's a lot of gray areas, but you just, the best thing to do, like you said, is don't support them. (laughs) Yeah. But what I was going to say is that, um, I mean, obviously we've talked about Lovecraft on the show, but I love that there's all these really, these people who really embrace the Lovecraftian universe and the concepts, a lot of people of color particularly, and women Mm -hmm. are taking all this Lovecraft stuff and making it their own. And I love that way that they've taken, sort of separated the art out and been like, you know what? I do like these things. These things were influential on me in some sort of way. And, you know, maybe before they knew about what they did or before they'd come into their own in some way and like are able to make it their own. Like all these Lovecraftian books written by people of color, I love and eat up so quickly. Yes. And they're so great. And I'm loving what's happening as far as... um, like this sort of like 
post-author world where it's like, yeah, the fandom is also mm-hmm. important. What, I don't funny. think we live in a post-author world. By the way, people are not going to enjoy me saying that. But I do think but there I, is like a fandom to yes. it, you know, the importance of fandom. What's funny is I would actually argue that it's not separating the art from the artist because I think what a lot of people are doing is going, okay, yes, we see that Lovecraft is a racist trash baby. We're seeing all of that. We're, they're, they're, they're looking at it as a whole and going, okay, well, this guy was garbage, but this part... Oh, this is this stuff was really influential, and we like all of this, so we are gonna gonna separate it out well. Because a lot of what's cool about a lot of these new Lovecraftian books, you know, that we got Victor Lavelle and Caitlin Kiernan and Kay Jemison's new book, City We Became, is very Lovecraftian. They're directly confronting what a garbage mm-hmm. person he was mm-hmm. with their art. Yeah. So you're not separating the art from the artist. You're looking at it as a as one whole thing. Because a lot of what fueled Lovecraft's work was his racism right and luckily i mean this and what's fueling those people is this sort of like anti-racist take it back which is interesting yes and that's what i think is cool about jk rowling like jk rowling's series is clearly very white centric it's very straight centric it's very cis centric it's very ableist like there's a lot of you know when you're looking at, at the harry potter universe in that way it's got a lot of problems but it also it's a great fucking series. Like it has a lot of heart. Like we all, gra- it's, it's really popular for a fucking reason. So I like. And it got well, us all to read, which is, yes. like, which is, I will say is a great thing. So I would be really excited to see a wave of books by trans authors that were inspired by the Harry mm-hmm. Potter universe. And we're like, okay, JK Rowling, I see you as a whole and I'm seeing all this stuff. So I'm going to write a book that is about a different magic school that has a bunch of fucking trans kids in it. So right. spend your money on stuff so, so people can spend their money on that. That may, that kind of stuff makes me excited. Yeah, me too. And I think what we're talking about a little bit is like, it's hard to deny when you grew up on these things or you didn't know about these things. You didn't, you don't know what every author you read growing up is, what their opinions are. It's just not something that is taught well, in school, the, That's right? the other thing too, is and, that there, you know, there wasn't Twitter a hundred right. years ago. So maybe the, there might be an was, author that you love that is a trash baby and you don't even know about it. Right, exactly. Or there wasn't Twitter when uh, Harry Potter even came out, right? So yeah. I think like, it's very hard to read these things and you're like, does that make me a bad person? And we're here to tell you it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a you bad person. You don't have to person. deny who you are. You don't have to deny the things you love because those things built you in some way. And I think that denial feels just as bad as the person saying that. I and mean, it doesn't yes. make you a bad person because you read Harry Potter. What's funny <laughs> is my giant Harry Potter tattoo is right next to my giant Cthulhu tattoo. Right. There you go. <laughs> I guess I just have like a, tra- a problematic author arm Is now. that the right arm or the left It's the right arm. Well, I'm here to say you don't have to, turn, you don't have to cut it off. That doesn't because no. you're allowed to have things that made you who you are and then dealt with them because I think that's what makes us adults. Yes. And you know what's funny is actually speaking of Haniva Duragib who has weirdly come up, come up <laughs> Multiple times during this episode, completely in completely unrelated ways, he was tweeting recently about how criticism because both of his big books, the book about uh, they can't kill us till they kill us, and um, the book about a tribe called Quest, are you know he's examining the work of an artist and he's like criticism isn't necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. It's how you as he talks a lot about on those books about how criticism criticizing something and looking at it constructively is a is can a lot of the ways can be an act of love. Yeah, which especially I mean if you want to read amazing criticism books, his is definitely yes. one because he talks about he can criticize something that he loves in the same breath and it mm-hmm. it's not just a tweet of fuck this person forever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a, it, it has these like thoughtful things about 
uh, you know, race politics or gender politics or something like that within a music scene or within artists that he loves and how conflicting that is, which yes. I think is really interesting. Yes. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a style of criticism and a style of being in the world that we can all take a, take a leaf out of, you know? Yeah. Again, take a breath. This, this shit is hard. The yeah. world we live in now is hard. We're all allowed to say way too much. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but also good to know, you know, it's good to know the, yes. this person feels about th- this way about this stuff and we can move on from that, you know? And I will say last year, we did a whole episode about trans authors for the reading glasses challenge. Mm-hmm. You can go back and check that out. Like literally just go into maximumfun.org, go to the reading glasses page, look at our episode list. If you're looking for a amazing list of, of authors, uh, I'm trying to think of big books that are coming out this year. Um, something that may shock and discredit you is Daniel Lavery Ortberg's new essay collection that's coming out pretty soon. If you want to put some dollars into a trans author, I would highly recommend pre-ordering that. I'm pretty excited about that. So it's all about, you're not a garbage person for the things that you did before, but it's really about now that you have this information, what do you do moving forward? Mm So you can send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we answer a recommendation request, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, too. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fanti, Maximum Fun, podcast. Time to answer a recommendation request from Angela. Hey, Brianne Mallory. I listen to audiobooks when I run, and lately I've listened to exclusively female female memoirs read by the author. I just want to say this recommendation request takes a big turn that is very fascinating to me. <laughs> uh, I just finished Educated by Tara Westover and Becoming by Michelle Obama, and I need some more. I listen without headphones because I am a monster and have tiny ears. So ideally, I need memoirs I can play while running through my neighborhood full of old people with minimum embarrassment. I just imagine this person is like, What's that scene? What's that movie where the guy holds the boombox over his head? Uh, or like in a nine, you know, in nineties music videos, everyone was just carrying boomboxes around. Yeah, it's true. I'm imagining um, this person say anything, say anything. I'm imagining this person running through a, a neighborhood with a boombox, with a boombox that's just cranking a fucking audiobook. Like I, this thing, this is incredible. I also have really tiny ears, so but I, I have. Um, Bluetooth headphones, like over-the-ear Bluetooth headphones that I wear at the gym that I really like. Bought them on Amazon. Over- Reco- recommend them, Angela. Over-the-ear, like like uh, big ones. No, no. They, well, they go in the ear, but they have a little loop that goes over. Oh, to but, hold them in place. But I like them because they have two different sizes of like the squishy thing that goes in your ear. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You put, I put in the smaller one and it's fantastic. But you could also get the ones that go over your head. Yeah. Like old school ones. I love those kind, but yeah. I, I don't have any currently, but usually I have some I that can't I can. wear this because I wear glasses and it's like too much sh- shit on my ears. Oh, 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 oh. But unless you had a real tiny head, you could do those over your <laughs> tiny ears. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining that scene from Beetlejuice. Basically, are you a baby? 
Are you <laughs> are you a tiny baby? Because then this is going to be a problem. But otherwise, anyway, I Angela, think it's very are funny. you secretly a baby? I might be a baby. Also, I like that your neighborhood is full of old people. I have so many questions about I this. Know, this but- is probably my favorite recommendation request we've ever gotten. Bria, what should Angela's, Angela well, listen to? I don't read that many memoirs. Maybe this should be on the reading glasses challenge for next year for Bria Ooh. Grant. Um, uh, I don't read that many memoirs, so I may leave this up to you. Um, I went through the memoirs that I have read and liked and saw that Amy Poehler did. Wait, I don't listen to memoirs. Sorry, that's okay. my. I should say I don't listen to memoirs. I do read some, but it's pretty rare, and I rarely listen. I don't think I've ever listened to one. But Amy Poehler did the audio to Yes, Please, Great and book. I really liked reading it. And she's very funny. And I listened to that audio book, so I feel like she'd be good at it, right? It's yes. like must be funny and interesting, and that would be a good one. And there's nothing too obscene in it, no. as I remember. It's like it's very. Um, like, I distinctly remember there's a chapter about her divorce, and she's like, I'm not going to get into it. And that's the end of the chapter, basically. Like, she just doesn't talk. So she doesn't get deep into any sort yeah. of, like, personal, pol- like, that kind of stuff. Um, what about you? You're going to have way more for this than me. This actually was really tough for me to pick uh, because I've talked about so many of them on the podcast um, that I was trying to find one that I haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, one that's good for running and listening to in public. Uh, the ones that I wanted to pick either are, like, well, very sad or like full of weird poop stories, like Amanda Irby books. But she listened to Educated, which is it, it. That is a it's a crazy story. That's a wild story, Educated, and it's a tough but it does, story. But does it have a lot of sex and it has abuse, but not sex? Yeah, uh, something like sex. something that would be embarrassing to an old person. Okay, fine. Uh, like Samantha Irby. Also, who, if you run really fast, yeah. if you just like when you're in an embarrassing party, like makes you speed up, you know, That's and really this is that way you don't, they only hear the like, hello, like, <laughs> like so it does that like sound thing. That was a good impression of a uh, audiobook running swiftly past you. Audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> for people, you can't see me, but I'm, I'm moving my face across the microphone and hopefully it translates. It's very funny. Right, so what do you suggest? Um, so I decided on How to Be Alone by Lane Moore. Uh, I love this memoir. It's a memoir about being single and being really happy with yourself. And it's super charming. It's super fun. I listened to this audiobook when I was in a relationship, uh, the one I'm currently very happy in. Uh, and I still got a lot out of it. It's, and it's. I also think it's a great book to listen to at the beginning of the year because it's all about like being just being happy with yourself and mm-hmm. finding joy in your own life and like it's fun you know it's really funny too because she has like a lot of like you know funny stories about dating and like how like you know why she is like you know gone up and down and dating and like tried to date a bunch of people and then tried to be alone for a while and it's just it's it's great I really enjoyed it now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Pat writes in, can you please help me solve a dilemma regarding how I rate things on Goodreads? I'm trying to decide how to handle it when a book is very good, but it has an element that I personally dislike, but others may not. As an example, I recently read The Power by Naomi Alderman. It was a cool concept, well-written, good characters, and I cared about the story, but it was way, way too violent for me. I hated it. However, my tolerance for violence is much lower than many other people's, and I would totally recommend it to people who don't mind violence. How should I rate it on Goodreads? Do I give it a bad rate? to remind myself not to read it again or do I give it a good rating to encourage other people to read it? Bria, what should Pat do? Um, well, I was just talking to you uh, this morning about this where um, there's a book that I won't mention but I loved oh, yeah. it. I thought it was funny and poignant and really interesting and then I went on Goodreads and it had a lot of bad reviews because people were like, this is not funny or more specifically, they were like, there should not be humor in this genre of book which I thought was yeah. so strange. It, it, people are very weird on but Goodreads. But the number one thing I thought about this book was it's very funny and outside of its genre in some ways and I really enjoyed that. Um, so, I thought those were bad rev- bad reviews, I I think, because it felt like it was just an opinion. 
about the genre of the book and not the book itself. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, so if you have these like strict rules about what this book should be. Like, if you think every sci-fi book needs to have a spaceship and then you read fucking, what's funny is I don't read enough sci-fi to. Uh, you read Broken Earth Trilogy. Yeah. And like, you're like, one star needs more spaceships. Yeah. That's a weird, that's a weird <laughs> yes. review. You know, it's like, uh, yeah. Um, then, so I, so I personally think your review may not be super helpful if it is like that. Now, his is for violence specifically. So let's like talk about that. So I did a quick search of the power and there's a lot of sites that give warnings about the violence, particularly violent rape scenes. Um, and I think if you're concerned about other people being like, uh, being warned about this kind of stuff, I think through the power of groupthink and internet connections and forethought, people would be able to find that information on these triggering sites. This is a book that, I mean, as we've been saying, we want people to put more trigger warnings at the front of books. This would be one that would have it. If you're a book reviewer, you should absolutely mention it. For Goodreads, for you, I think you mark it as red. Yes. Because I think what you're saying is really, really thoughtful because you're saying it's not that you didn't like the book. It just like wasn't quite for you. Yes. Which is a kind of a different kind of review. And I think you mark it as red. You know that you've read it, so you don't ever accidentally read it again, which I've totally accidentally done. So you can you can check red, um, but unless you give it stars, I don't think you can write anything. And I may be wrong and people can say that. I just tried it, and it looks like if you do a review, you have to like actually write, give stars to give a review. But you could also write it as a note and see if it keeps as a note for yourself. It seems like Pat is just basically worried about other people, and I do think other people, unless you're a book reviewer or you're an early reviewer, you don't need to feel this responsibility because I think no. people will be able to find this about this book. Yeah. What do you think? This is, I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot because I'm like debating going back on Goodreads mm-hmm. um, after my year of absence. Um, and this is the way I look at, st- at books like this is the way I, sit, I look at restaurants. Like, I don't like goat cheese. Here's one food that I don't like. I would not go into goat goat cheese galore yeah. and be like, ugh, gross, one star. And then someone would be like, oh, what'd you think of that goat cheese restaurant? I'd be like, oh, I fucking hated it. Then they, but I also hate goat cheese. Right. They'd be like, but I like goat, che- goat cheese. And you'd be like, maybe it's for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I would, but so A, I would feel bad giving that review to somebody because to someone who might like goat cheese. Um, but also I would feel bad to giving the, like, I would never rate goat cheese galore on Yelp one star review because I don't like goat cheese. Yeah. Sometimes it, that feels like more like a, an attack on goat cheese well, rather a, than the restaurant. But that's, that, but that's what I mean. It would feel, I would feel bad giving it a one star review and bringing its rating down, but I like, I don't even like it. So yeah, like, and if, what's interesting about the power specifically, I'll say is that I really liked that book and I do like a violent feminist book like that. Mm-hmm. I Violence, I watch a lot of horror movies. Violence doesn't bother me that much. Uh, you know, I'm aware of it, but and I like to be aware of it. But I, even going in blindly, I was able to read that book without an issue. Yes. So it, it would feel weird for me to be like, all right, this book had great, had good characters. It was, it was well written. I, I like the plot. I like the story. But I didn't like this one aspect of it that was really key to what the book is. One star review. You know what I mean? Right. I, if you thought it was gratuitous, would you give it less? What do you mean? If you thought the violence was gratuitous. Like, oh, like did, it wasn't part, needed. What? Yes, then that would be another thing. But it feels like this person 
is re- recognizing that the power is good for what it is trying to do, but they mm-hmm. just don't like that particular thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This actually happened to me really recently and I stopped reading the book. There was a book that I, I got from the library and I started reading it and I was like, I recognize that what this book is trying to do is it is succeeding at it. It mm-hmm. is writing in the author is writing this very particular way in this very particular genre but I, that's not something that I really like so I'm going to stop reading it but if I had finished that I would give it no rating that that's my my thing my my um I'm in the same boat as you I think Pat should give it no rating um what I would do is write about it on in my private book journal or in my my husband book buddy I would give it then I would give it a one star where it's not affecting anything and then I could be like oh I didn't like this mm-hmm. not necessarily because my private book journal and my in book buddy is all about what I if I whether I whether I liked it or not I feel like a public review is more it carries a lot more weight and it, I would feel bad I, I like this particular book who I will of course will not name I would feel bad giving because in my mind it was like a two star book, but I would never publicly give it. I would never bring their rating down because I just am not into this particular genre that this author is clearly doing a good job at. Right. If that makes you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I don't, yeah, it, it, you can write in your book journal, you know, this this book was great, but too violent for me. Um, and if if you really want to rate it, like if I felt if if I really needed to review this one particular book that I didn't really like, I would probably give it a four stars. Yeah, I would say if you're going to give it and you want to write the review and like start your review as saying, trigger warnings, this book is too violent for me. Everything else, exactly what Pat wrote to us, I think is a perfectly fine review. And if someone reviewed something I did and said, look, this was too violent, I'd be like, fair, I make violent shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, particularly violent, I would. I think that's the thing that I would be like, yeah, yeah, fair. I understand violence isn't for everybody and some people that's going to be really tough for them, you know? And yeah. so you don't have to necessarily like it. So yeah, I think this is the place where we might advocate for if you feel the need to write this, to put it out there in the world, this is a little too violent and you have to give it stars, I think a four-star review is fine. So if you want to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are on our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember that you can buy Reading Glasses tote bags and shirts at Bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store. Maybe you have a Valentine that you forgot to buy a gift for that is a big Reading Glasses fan. You can get them a shirt or a cute tote bag. Lots of awesome things in the Maximum Fun store. Uh, If you want to support the show for free and get us towards our... 1,000 reviews uh, thing that we haven't decided on yet. You can rate and review us on iTunes. It's free. It takes you like 30 seconds and it is a huge boon for the show. It helps us reach more readers. It helps us look really cool. It makes us feel good about ourselves. And if you have ideas for what we should do when we reach 1,000 reviews, please send them in. Um, And you can always... Email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks, thanks for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.